3: Your holing Hockey League is a great fantasy team name. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Get ready for it. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Get ready for a lot of those. Illegal contact penalty. Comment... Because the competition committee wants to come. Earlier on the show, Tampa Bay Times Bucks beat writer Rick Stroud, former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Coming up, NBC Sports Boston Patriots insider Tom Curran, Stanford head coach David Shaw. And now... It's
0: Rich Eisen. Our number three of the
3: Rich Eisen Show is on the air. Preseason football is all over. Two weeks from today, we will be overreacting like crazy after the first Sunday of the 2022 NFL season. College football week zero, as they've been calling it, uh, went down this past weekend. Huge college football weekend coming up this weekend. I can't. Tell you how awesome it is to turn from August to September and the sports calendar year. And this time around, it also is going to be changing the calendar from August to September as we change ways that you can consume the show on TV. We went from uh, Peacock after the two years, as we know, as you might not. Uh, you may know uh, we're, we're on YouTube right now while we get ready for our new Home on Roku coming in September. All Roku devices, certain uh, select Samsung Smart TV, Fire TV, as well as a mobile device. You get the Roku app. That's where the Roku channel sits. And then the Rokuchannel.com is also a spot that you can stream us for free starting in September. Again, that's the best part about it. It is free. We've got David Shaw of Stanford coming up. If you missed Michael Lombardi, as well as our friend Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times talking about everything that's gone over the weekend, as well as what might be coming down the pike in the NFL season. It's sitting on our YouTube stream, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. We are now turning to the phone lines, Christopher, just for you. And for me, because I love talking to this man. I need it. But you are part of Patriot Nation for reeking out over the state of the offense. We spoke to him a couple weeks ago, and we were like, wait a minute, did we see Patricia and Joe Judge calling plays in a preseason game? And then there's a process that Bill Belichick said is going on, but he didn't really let us know what the process is all about. Remember we had that conversation? I do. We said, get Tom Curran on the phone. Well, now, this is a full on involved fire that's going on right now in New England. How many alarms do you think? I I think every last one that there is. From what they're just hearing you talk on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line from NBC Sports Boston is our friend Tom Curran. How you doing, Tom?
2: Fully involved fire. Is this the one where the firemen just step back and stand on the sidewalk and watch?
3: That's it. What there else are you going to do? <laughs> there we go, guys. The full conflagration. Fully Everybody involved. Back. Fully involved. That's the way it looks uh, from outside. What, what, what can you tell me? What do you got for me?
2: Well, it's um, it's so hard. To fathom, because we have such deference for a guy who is the greatest head coach in NFL history by so many measures, certainly Super Bowl era history, maybe in American professional sports. And to post McDaniels decide that you're going to pivot the offense to something that might not definitely fit the personnel you have, you're going to pivot the offense with a second year quarterback who had been a pro bowler. And in the course of pivoting the offense, you're going to have individuals at the forefront of it who really haven't coached a lot of offense. So it's hard if any other coach at any other time in any other sport had this combination of decisions, we would say, is he trying to fail? Mm. But with Bill, you say, well, I mean, he's done some wacky stuff in the past and virtually every time it works out okay. So there's still a lot of latitude that I think we all give Bill, where you just, you know, you don't want to walk the plank and say, they're screwed, but it doesn't look good, my friend.
3: And it doesn't. So this past weekend, what what do we glean? Anything more? Because, sure. you, you know, you hear reports that uh, they had their worst practices ever in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happened there definitely didn't stay there. What do you got for me on that? Sure. Tom. Let me
2: give you the timeline. They were out there last week in Vegas. Tuesday was a, a horrendous practice. They could not manufacture anything offensively against the, the Raiders. And the Patriots put a lot into those joint practices. They treat them as seriously as they do the games because they can orchestrate the situations. Really didn't have any progress at all until the final portion of practice in one two-minute eleven on eleven. They had, they had to hang on. They drove the field and things were good. They had a much better practice on Wednesday. Thursday comes and they have the game and they're completely dysfunctional along the offensive line on their two drives. So it's a three and out. It's a three and then a pick for Mac Jones on a really bad throw. And at the end of the first three and out, which what's a little disturbing if you're a Patriots fan is that Mac Jones kind of walked into a sack because he got jumpy kind of misread the leverage of the block that was in front of him and walked into it. So later on in the game, again, after a little bit of a breakdown up front, but not a full on jailbreak, he kind of did one of the fluty Russell Wilson backwards pivot things where he tried to spin. It's not going to work with a guy who's running the 4 6, which is still kind of fast, but not that fast. And ended up being a trash play. So I think what's alarming is the cohesiveness on the offensive line is suffering so much that I think Mac Jones is looking at it and going, I don't really trust these guys, which is causing a regression mm. that is becoming very frustrating for him and for the other guys who have continuity on this line.
3: What about the run game?
2: They're going to have to go back to to just running straight ahead. They were trying to do the, the Broncos slash Colts fresh play where they try to get outside and zone block, and they're just not having success. That was part of the reason the other night, first time they tried it, they lost four. Second time they tried it, they didn't gain anything and had a hold. And then after that, once they did you know, the straight-ahead run game, it worked fine. But the interesting thing there is, their fullback, Jakob Johnson, they told Jakob in February, we're, not, we're doing away with the fullback. We're not going to run that style anymore. He's now a Raider. He was on the other sideline. But clearly they can't block the stretch stuff with the season looming. Do they stick with it, in for a dime, in for a dollar, and say we're just going to bang our head against the wall or to say, okay, real game start. We've shown no propensity for being able to do this. Let's go back to the stuff that kind of works.
3: Well, here's, here's the, the issue Tom is the way that you look at it when, when you look at the Patriots over the years, they, they, they don't look great to start and then they start doing their job Mm -hmm. and it all, it all works out in the end. Um, on the offensive end of things, Brady would be the one that could handle it. Right. Now you got a second year pro who, um, who's got a new somewhat of a new offense, right? And then play callers who have never done it before with uh, a bunch of people that aren't, and I know that this is a silly way to say it, but I'll say it aren't lighting up too many fantasy football drafts, right? Because of their incredible innate talent or speed or anything like that. There's not a whole bunch of them on the Patriots. That's what gives you the sense that this thing is just not fixable right now and that it's what, something that, that that can't blossom into what we saw last year. What do you think of that concept?
2: I think it's on point, and I think it. we really probably should amplify the Josh McDaniels component. Because Bill really didn't have to worry about offense for a long time. I mean, he was intimately involved, and anything that the Patriots did offensively was done with, you know, Bill's eventual imprimatur, he, he would stamp it and say that's fine. But generally speaking, it was going to be fine because Bill deferred to Josh McDaniels to run the offense. Losing the greatest quarterback of all time, who's a human computer, was a blow. But they still cobbled together an offense that got 12 running touchdowns and eight passing touchdowns from Cam Newton, who really can't throw anymore, and they went 7-9. and nine. Then last year again with Josh McDaniels cobbled together an offense that gets them to nine and four at one point, they finished whatever it was eleven and six or yeah twelve and five. Be that as it may, but the McDaniels component and the Brady component to take two of the most gifted and fluent offensive minds on the planet right now. And I do believe that McDaniels is that. I mean, you can McVay me all you want. You can Shanahan me all you want. But none of them ever morphed offenses the way that Josh did um, in the course of the season. So I think that Bill underplayed how easy it would be or how hard it would be. And I think he underplayed just how good those two were.
3: Well, then let's flip the script here as well, or at least uh, what what I've just posited to you Tom Carn that this was the first time if i'm not mistaken that all five starters that they plan on putting on the offensive line for week 1 against the dolphins actually played together in the preseason and that mm-hmm. and that Mac Jones does have a special ability maybe the dog in him that can start moving this offense uh in a way that we haven't seen in the preseason and that you put it all together the two tight ends are pretty still uh, very, very good. Very good. Talented uh, player. Like the, the kid Thornton might uh, take some tops off of defenses in a way that you just kind of be very surprised. That that, that things haven't been fully uncorked yet on offense. That's, is that fair, too? That's you
2: have to rely on. But there are so many, I, I guess, to be deflating about that. <laughs> Patriot joke. Uh, nice. Is to say, okay, they have talented running backs. They have talented receivers. They have talented wide receivers. Not top-of-the-line guys, but the the compliment is there. And the quarterback, too. But the offensive line, even though it's the projected starters, Isaiah Wynn has, comes off a poor year last year, and he's been kind of an enigma during camp. Mike and Wenu, okay, kind of fine, pretty much. David Andrews has not been as good as he usually is. Cole Strange is a rookie, and Trent Brown is good. Next guy up is Justin Huron, who has been – tough to watch in this preseason. They have to get drastically better, but again, the interesting thing that Bill set it up this way, his play caller slash offensive coordinator is Matt Patricia. Matt's also the offensive line coach. You to ask somebody to, to succeed Josh McDaniels in all his ability and then ask him to do it part-time or to have the offensive line coach part-time. It is the most head-scratching litany of decisions you can
3: imagine, Rich. Tom Curran, NBC Sports Boston Insider right here on on the yeah, Rich. Like and gloom here. No, uh, no, 31. this sport I I just wanted to cuz this is it now. Like I, I, I this is it. I mean, the rubber's now meeting the road. You you there are no 100%. more there are no more preseason reps. There's now 13, there's now 13 days for this offense to get ready to, you know, I assume put up more points than the Dolphins will be able to. And that's a very tall order because the Dolphins could unwrap one of the most potent offenses in the league if it all goes well for them. And if it all goes well for the Patriots, they're still going to need to, you know, uh, play from ahead. They're going to still need to make some plays on defense that they might not find in their usual house of horrors in Miami. You know, that's a problem. 13 yeah, days. And,
2: and that really, that's the essence of every friggin' game. And we spend all the time on what are they going to do when they run on this? How are they going to score 24 or more points on a regular basis? Do they look like an offense that's going to average 24 or more points? Because I think that's what you're looking for from any offense. Your top 15. If you can get to 24 or more good ones, Kansas city, whoever it'll be 28 The Patriots. Generally, but I don't see how the Patriots are getting to 24 points at this juncture defensively, they could be a 20 or less defense against teams that they can beat up on. And they did that a ton last year to the Jets and the Jaguars and to teams that were without all its potency, like they got Tennessee at a good time. No Derrick Henry, no A.J. Brown. But how does the math work on a week-to-week basis? How do you cobble together those touchdown drives? Because last year they weren't very potent down the field which necessitated, okay, we're going to have an 8, 9, 10, or 11-play drive here. How do we do that? Mm. You know, some teams can, oh, okay, three-play drives for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, that's no problem. That's how you end up with 38 points. Patriots are not built to have four-play drives. So it's 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 a little bleak, but, hey, it's it's August 29th, right. Rich. I know. It's not going to rain on everyone's parade.
3: I know that. The, or oh, duck parade. Before I let you go, do you want to chime in on on Brady's soundbite of the weekend that that I, I led the show with it because it really just jumped off the phone to me on my Twitter feed? Him saying that he's a 45 year old guy with a lot of s going on, and that's you know that was his explanation as to why he took uh, a a midsummer sabbatical. You know him, uh, and I've been around him more than most. Tom, you want to take a swing at that one?
2: Uh, just it's, it's a it's a he seems fatigued. He seems fatigued, resigned punch on the clock in a in a fashion. don't you feel that? and I you have all the respect in the world for him, and so do I, and I've had a great relationship with him, and he's been you know, let's be candid. he's been great for my personal business, so is bill Belichick the business you would I would not be on this show with you right now, the wildly successful rich Eisen show. thank you, Tom. Had I not covered this team for the length of time I did, it had the benefit of covering Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But the weirdness of the decisions they're both making, it's as if they're both lost without each other to a degree. Would you ever think that Bill Belichick in 2001, 2002, would enter a regular season and say, eh, we'll just we'll throw it together with these coaches. See how it goes. Would you ever think Tom Brady would say, maybe I'll just take 11 days off here at camp, shoot back in later?
3: It's just different parts in life, man. It's different. And 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 again, asking you the question I just did, you traffic in in the rumor. You know, you would have to traffic in rumor as to what what went down or what have you. But he he definitely let everyone in that you know that he's a human being too, and it it gave me pause for a second to think: Does that mean he's entering this season thinking it's going to be his last because there's a lot of ass going on that he needs to be around for that he's not. Because he's getting ready for the Cowboys, and um, it just it just really hit me really hard to see that. It was one of the most relatable things he's ever said. The way I said,
2: yeah, I know. think it uh It's it's uh, it's staying for one more beer when you know you really should get out of there.
0: Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there.
0: I mean, Tom Berman's calling the
3: plays, right? That's why he's up there today. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Okay, good.
2: They want to get some of his thoughts on how the offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> off I like the it. Fits a look it. It's going like
3: to be it. very odd when they circle yeah. the wagon on the offense. It's going to be very strange.
0: It. Just something. Oh my it god! It was like
2: funny. Offense. My my guy Phil Perry, uh, said you know he had Chris Berman there today. It was like stand up, stand up. <laughs> I turned into Johnny Carson suddenly build it <laughs> yeah he, he, he loves him he does love
3: chris he loves chris tom thanks for the call really appreciate it uh at tommy curran on twitter i follow him you should as well thanks for the call tom greatly appreciate All right, it man have a great week see you, you soon you, see you soon that's tom curran checking on the patriots let's take a break so we're on time for uh coach david shaw we'll get a little college football talk in here i appreciate he takes the time before he takes on colgate this coming saturday Got to go with that dental hygiene. That's all right. (laughs) Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. On the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen show, 844-204-Rich Number to dial. Love this guy. Love chatting with him. And man, is there a lot going on with Pac-12 football? Is it not? Getting set to kick off his twelfth season. Just does we you're dozen. As the head coach of Stanford football on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line is none other than David Shaw. How are you doing, Coach?
1: I'm great, Rich. Great to talk to you. Great
3: to talk to you as well. Getting ready for Colgate, I see, right, this weekend?
1: We are. We are. Uh, looking for a great bounce-back year from last year. Mm-hmm. we got a lot of guys back. Training camp's been great. Very excited about our quarterback and uh, we are look forward to having a lot of fun this season.
3: Yeah, before we get to all that, how, how does Colgate wind up on the, on the schedule? Do you say, I want to start, I need to mine the Finger Lakes for those 4.0 student-athletes? <laughs> is, that, is that the way Colgate winds up on the Stanford schedule,
1: Coach? You know, there are a lot of ways teams end up on your schedule. A lot <laughs> has to do with planning these things, like sometimes 7 to 12 years out, Yes. and then someone bailing on you uh, maybe three years out. <laughs> Uh, So there's a lot of of conversations that happen after long-time arrangements,
3: by the way. Who bailed on you? Who bailed? On your coach? Yeah,
1: it's the combination of things. Okay. right? Combination of things of some people changing conferences and changing on mm-hmm. someone else and then someone else is, Oh gosh, now I have to change this and then that affects us. So it's like, you know, the butterfly flaps his wing some places and <laughs> nine teams have to change their schedule a few years out.
3: <laughs> well, let's jump into this then, David Shaw. Speaking of bailing and changing conferences, look who's uh look who's in week two, USC coming to Stanford. Um And I know you don't like to look over schedules. I look over the dashboard. I understand that. But the circumstances of this game with USC, I imagine, is significant. Does that at all creep into your mindset with USC coming to town for you week two?
1: uh, We have such a long-standing rivalry with USC. Um, We don't need any extra motivation. I try not to have any extra things around it. Like It's going to be emotional enough. We have enough guys from northern and southern California uh, that this is going to be uh, a really good battle. Um, our guys are not concerned with what's going to happen two years down the road anyway. Um, we're focused on right now. Um, but it is interesting as a longtime conference um, person, um, both as a kid. My dad coached in the Pac-8 and the Pac-10. I played in the Pac-10 and now coached in the Pac-12, and now it's going to be the pac
3: We'll see. <laughs> yes, um so, We'll
1: see. You know, it's 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 going to be a good game, but the the longer term implications, we no one has any idea.
3: That's where I, I do want to ask you about that, and I I know you knew I would ask you about it. So let let me just jump into it before I get to your football season. Is the fact that the Pac-12 future is completely up in the air? What did you think of when you heard USC and UCLA were going to the Big Ten, Coach?
1: I uh, like most people, I didn't believe it. Um, I was at my son 's track meet, and I started getting all these texts and I was like okay somebody 's messing with me um and then coming here to find out that it 's true um kind of sent me to a little bit of a which has happened a lot for a lot of us in college sports in the last couple of years, like where are we right now mm-hmm. um, and uh it it hurt a little bit in that part of what defines our conference our our natural rivalries in particular the four of us California schools. You know, when we became the Pac-12, the long-standing agreement was that we're going to play each other every year, regardless of North and South. So that desire for all four of us to always play each other has always been there. And now that's somewhat in jeopardy. So my hope is um, if everything stays the way that it is, we maintain the Pac-10, whether we invite somebody else or not. My hope is that we continue to play USC and UCLA because our alumni are so intertwined um that we couldn't i couldn't imagine not playing both those teams pretty much every year
3: yeah i know um did you at any point call your your school's athletic director and uh, the president of the school to say like what's our plan here i mean did have you lifted the phone and had those conversations david
1: Shaw? we've had those conversations but uh, you know my my office is too small um to handle those things Mm-hmm. Uh, these are coming with conference commissioners, talking to TV people, talking to presidents, and uh, I'm not exactly sure. No one is. Um, what's next? You know, does the Big Ten make another invite and gobble up a few more schools? Does everything stand pat? Does the, the Pac 10 now go bigger and try to add, add more? None of us know. And we could all get phone calls in the next 48 hours. And we could not know for another four months. That's
3: right. Or, um, or that years, so or, even years or even years, you know, or even years, you know, and I'll be honest coach. And I'm not just saying this cause you're on the phone here. I immediately thought, cause you know, what when, when the speculation in my end of the business that you dip your toe in, uh, every draft season, um, about who could come next from the pack 12 to the big 10, since I am here in Los Angeles, I can't believe it. it's, it's true, sitting in Big Ten country here. Who else would you want to take? Well, the Big Ten, and you just some people throwing out Washington and Oregon or what have you. I said, I'll take both Bay Area schools. I'll, I'd take your program, and I'd take Cal's program, because that's something you could go to the school presidents of the Big Ten and say, how about bringing Stanford and Cal into the equation? Who would say no to something like that? H- have you gotten those phone calls, do you think? Do you know? Well, Will, well, you share? Me, nobody's
1: calling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Nobody's calling me, and I'm in, I've just got out of training camp, so I haven't answered my phone in a while. Anyway, right? But yeah, it, you can make a case for that to say um, academically that's a great. It could be very enticing. You could say Washington, Oregon regionally, Seattle mm-hmm. and and Portland for um, you know viewership. Um, but then again, you could say ESPN was out of the running for the Big Ten, and EPSPN makes a big push. To keep the pack ten the way that it is, right. and make that lucrative for everybody. So, all of these things are just floating around in the ether as I try to close my door and game plan. Um, so that's the that's kind of where we are all right now.
3: Okay, David Shaw, Stanford head football coach here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about your quarterback um, Tanner McKee. What are you expecting out of him this year, Coach?
1: I really believe this is going to be a breakout year for him. Um, started off on a high note, you know. Once he did his name the starter, upset win at USC, upset against a highly ranked Oregon team, played great. Then our receivers started getting banged up. Then he kind of got banged up and missed missed a game. So everybody's starting healthy and fresh. He's got some great weapons, but he's a six six, you know, two hundred twenty five pound young man that can throw the deep ball, put the ball in tight spaces. He's brilliant. You know, he's a leader. So he's one that all the NFL scouts have come through to make sure that they uh, take a good look at him. Because um, he's one that could really jump on the scene this year,
3: yeah, is there is there you know i mean my my uh my family just went to Disneyland, and there's these signs that you have to be this tall to ride the ride. Uh, is there such a thing in Stanford at the quarterback position? you got to be six four and above because i mean my gosh, do you love six four and above quarterbacks since you've been there I, I, coach. I've heard that I have a type <laughs> <laughs> <heard that>. yeah, <laughs> i mean i looked it up, I looked it up i mean k j Costello six five ryan burns six five luck is obviously six four um uh you, Davis Mills, uh, he he's he you know he doesn't need to step on a stool to get something at the top of a of yeah. a of a shelf, you know. So you got there's him.
1: Something to me, there's something about being able to see, you know, through because we also have a lot of big offensive linemen here. Right, right? we have a lot of big guys. Um, love the play action game. Love the drop back game. Um, and, and a guy, a guy to be able to see all those places. Now you can also make a case there are special, unique circumstances like Drew Brees sees as well as any quarterback who's ever played the game and he's just right about six foot um so there there are of course outliers but for the most part having those big quarterbacks but the other thing for me too is they got to be able to move as well you know big quarterbacks that can move and tanner can move he's a good athlete um and he can make all the throws
3: yeah and so i guess because we you know uh certainly in the nfl and every draft season we talk about how the college offense has now been taken over the pro offense and so on and so forth. And you want guys who can, you know, run and as well as throw. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, if this is the way of the future, you see somebody like Josh Allen crush it as as he is doing right now, but Burrow is more of a drop back guy, pack pocket passer. I'm wondering you're, you're the one sitting at the, you know, at the cross section at the forefront of, of getting these kids ready, what you see at the, in the offense uh, from the quarterback position now, David. Shaw. And for me,
1: for me it, ha- it's, it hasn't really changed. I mean, all the way back to Bill Walsh. Right? I played for Bill at Stanford uh, after his great career at the 49ers, mm-hmm. and he would always say the quarterback must account for four to five first downs with his legs. Right? It's just, just the idea that the quarterback's legs are just, just a, just a gut shot to the defense. So having an athletic quarterback that's mobile enough to scramble for a first down, get positive yards, you know, that transition that he made from Joe Montana to Steve Young, that quarterback as, as a running weapon. Um, you just see it more often now. Um, but even a guy like Joe Burrow, <clears throat> Joe was a hell of an athlete. He's quick in the pocket. He's quick to escape. He can throw on the run extremely well. Um, so I think that is a big part of today's football. They don't all have to run 4-4, but they have to be able to move and get positive yards when the, with their legs when they need to.
3: Your 12th year, Coach, uh, at Stanford, this is, uh, I mean, where's the time gone? Um, how has things, I guess, normally I would say how have things changed but there's the NIL world now for you. Uh, it does how, how does Stanford and the NIL world coexist these days, Coach?
1: That's fascinating. Um, so Stanford is still Stanford. Um, we believe we want to come bring people here for the right reasons. Uh, I love the NIL world. Our guys are partaking in the NIL world and doing very well there combined with getting their Stanford degree, which in the long run is going to be more lucrative for them than this the, the NIL money. But there's also the enticement part of NIL, which is supposed to be illegal, which we all know is happening all over the place. (laughs) but so that's what we we are just battling and actually doing really well. Top twenty five class last year, I believe, will be top twenty five class again this year. Without those extras, without those illegal enticements, because of what Stanford means, right? There's there's the one visit that mom, dad, uncle, gram, grandma, they all want their young person to come to Stanford and reap the benefits of a great education and all the contacts that you learn you earn here and you you meet meet people here. So that for us is enough to battle some cash in hand from other places so we can still win those battles because of how special Stanford is and still do NIL the right way while our guys are on campus
3: yeah because I've I've spoken to so many of your colleagues coach David Shaw um I I think um in in the Pac-12 I think Kyle Winningham said he has there's just a couple of confirmed I think he was one of them where yeah kids will on a recruiting trail saying I've gotten this much you match it I'll come if not I can't come and I'm does anyone have the temerity to say that to a Stanford football head coach? Have you had they that? They
1: know right up front what I'm going to give them is on the back end, and it's going to be bigger than what they get on the front end. Um, the number of our guys that are, that are in medical school, business school, starting their own companies, taking advantage of their Stanford degrees, doing startups, like those guys are reaping the benefits of their time here. So I'm not going to battle with somebody who's giving cash on the front end, I'm going to battle what the Stanford University degree is going to do for you on the back end.
3: David Shaw here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, we've reached the portion of our conversation where you tell me what's going on with some of the Stanford football players in the National Football League. McCaffrey, walk me through this here. Uh, it's, now, it's it's Baker Mayfield with him. How do you think that, uh, man, it's, it, it, this is what I love talking to you about. Uh, one of the many reasons why I love talking to you, David Shaw, because I was sitting on the set with you when Baker Mayfield got drafted. And, so, yes. you know, if I told you Mayfield at Cleveland, I'm like, hey, guess what? He and McCaffrey are going to be the same backfield in Carolina in 2022. You'd have been like, what? But such is, such is the case. How do you think that's going to work? And how is McCaffrey feeling after two seasons in a row and having all the conversations about his fragility uh, now front yeah. and center? Coach, what do you got for me to so,
1: so, to answer the first question first, yes. one thing I know about Baker Mayfield, he's at his best when the questions are the biggest right now. So big questions. He, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and he, he, he plays well in those environments, especially if you give him a running game, right? What he did in Cleveland a couple of years ago with a really good running game and a couple of good tight ends as outlets and his legs and playing great defense, he can, he can play well enough to get you to the playoffs. Second question, second, um, the Kirsten McCaffrey that I know, with questions out there, you better look out Right, This is the healthiest he's been, the best he's felt in two years. He has a monster chip on his shoulder to prove that he deserves where he is as far as the contract and the respect and all the yards and and, and NFL records that he's already broken. Um, uh, He's my early uh, vote for comeback player of the year. Um, He is fired up, he is ready. And I can't wait to watch them play this year.
3: And rules, uh, offense, and system, that this can all – it, it looks good. I mean, Mayfield has been making some great throws in the preseason. It does look good, you know, but it's oh, preseason.
1: It, you oh. know, they, they've bounced around a couple different things before. You know, they've had quarterbacks get injured, right. play up and down. The receivers are healthy. They've got speed outside. Uh, you get a Christian, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, and a mobile quarterback like Baker. Now you've got a lot of those things, just like we talked about. Baker's going to get you two to three positive running yard, running games, running plays per game. Right. Uh, and now you give Christian McCaffrey the option routes, hand it to him a bunch of times. Now you've got the makings of an exciting offense.
3: And then, in terms of narratives that I hear all the time in the NFL, uh, when the subject of the matter the Houston Texans comes up, I hear your voice in my head all the time when I hear the thing, uh, maybe Jimmy G can go to Houston because they're not really sold on Davis Mills. And I hear your voice in my head saying, w- w- who-, who said they're not sold on Davis Mills? You know, And I-, I I think they are sold on him, and I'll give you the floor on what you know on this subject matter for him in, in Houston.
1: Well, Coach. he's just another one of those 6'4 plus Stanford <laughs> okay, quarterbacks who's really smart, really accurate, and a better athlete than you think. And can make all the throws. Um, He's got a big time arm. Um, Nothing faces him. Um, He's got uh, a coordinator who understands him and understands what he does well, and is putting those things around him. Will they have enough up front? Does he have enough weapons? Will they play well enough on defense that it's not all, all on his shoulders? Those are the big questions. I don't think Davis Mills is the question. You watch how he played the last month of the season, and you can make a case that he was the best rookie quarterback. Uh, in the NFL at the end of last year.
3: Yeah, I know. And in terms of uh, uh, um, turkey fresh in the oven to one that's been in the oven um, or two hours too long, how done is Andrew Luck, Coach? How, <laughs> how, how done is he? He's been
1: done, but everybody still asks um, because he is so special because he's right. so talented. Um, but he has moved on. He's starting grad school uh, this fall. He just had baby number two. Um, his life is great. He's very content um, on on his college on his NFL career. Not fired up about how it ended, but it did end. Um, he did a lot of great things and brought a lot of joy to the people of Indianapolis. And now, for him, it's time for chapter two. So
3: he's he's on campus. He's. He's, another, he's back on Stanford's campus for grad school, is that what you're saying, or, or is he yeah, somewhere Yeah, I don't know else? if I'm
1: supposed to publicize that or not, Okay. yes. <laughs>
3: um,
1: he's, he's starting grad school uh, this fall. Uh, he and his wife, Nicole, are, are coming back out this way, and um, he's just going to be around. He loves the Stanford environment, um, and, and he and his family are going to spend some time here, and uh, we can't wait to be around
3: him. So you could be strolling on campus, and there he is with his book bag? Is that really what can happen this, this, oh, absolutely. this fall?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's and that's one of the things that's so great about this campus is in Indianapolis still after not playing these last few years, yeah. he goes out to a restaurant, yeah. he still gets mobbed. Right. But you're going to walk on campus here. And, you know, Mark Zuckerberg might be walking across campus. Condoleezza Rice is walking across campus. Right. There's yeah. people walking across campus that are famous are world famous. So he's just another one of that group.
3: Well, Dr. Rice, she'll have her Broncos book bag now, right? She's part of that group. She's part of the, 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 uh, the ownership group there. Yes, she is. Coach, thanks for the time. Have a, uh, have a great season. Let's connect during it. And uh, I always love hearing from you whenever you text me just out of the blue. I love it. Thanks for doing Absolutely. that. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Rich. You, you, be, you be well. You be well. That's the coach of Stanford football, one of my favorites, David Shaw. There are a few people you like more than David I, Shaw. I, I'm telling you, I do love him. You do. He cracks me up. He's so he's so astute. He's so good. Yeah. At everything, and I watch him work too. I watch him work. I see his beautiful family when they family. What? like what I said? <laughs> When they come by, like he brought his family to uh, to the to the draft in Vegas. Good catch there, Rich. And I say it all the time. I'm an owner of an NFL team needing a coach. I write his name on a check and hand it to him and say, you fill in the amount. I don't think he's leaving. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. He's in year 12. They'd be insane to let him go. Right. I mean, they'd be insane to let him go.
0: Yeah.
3: And now, and as you know, um, you know, if you, if you rule the Finger Lakes this weekend, they'll flock. They will flock, man. They will come out of those caverns right above Cayuga's waters, right? And they'll <laughs> go right to Stanford if they, got the, if they have the great. How about that answer, NIL? They know, they know what I can offer them is on the back end, and it's <laughs> much better and more lucrative than what they could get on the front end. Pretty good answer. <laughs> and by the way, that sounds like, you know, a flex, but it's the truth.
0: Ask down, anybody
3: man. with a, a kid that's trying to get in, you know, with a the grade point average that, that could even be in the realm of getting. Do you want to go to Stanford? Is there a four in the front? Yeah, to better be.
0: <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that Andrew Luck just up and retired.
3: Yeah, he said I, he didn't I, like the way it I ended like that. I think about it
0: all the time. Forty-six hundred yards, thirty-nine touchdowns.
3: Well, it's not just that too. Is the date? Do you look up the date of his oh, retirement? I know. It was late over the weekend. It, yeah. it was just like this. It I was think three, three years anniversary. ago over the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. It was
0: late. We just finished our fantasy draft. But some was, dude drafted him in like the fifth
3: round, and then he quit. It was, <laughs> it was late. It was late to the point where I think he he gave it a try and just like you know I'm I'm banged up. I just don't want to do it.
0: Yeah. 29. He retired. And, at 29.
3: and I remember Schefter's tweet of it about it came out during the first half of the preseason game that I think was on CBS nationally. Yeah. So they're able to show him on the sideline. He says I he's already retired. Where the announcements come out to the point where what a 21st century story. Enough people saw it on their phones that they booed him they booed going them, off man. the field to yeah. the locker room at halftime. Yeah and he you could tell it visibly just destroyed him and understanding cuz i think it came acting. out like he was aware standing on the sidelines he didn't want it to come out it's that out, early that yeah. is out like he wanted to control his narrative i i know all about that yeah.
1: i just remember that was very sad to see that the look on his face to it's have those awful. people booing him yeah. like come on
3: man loved andrew rock dude 32 years old. You need a quarterback. Of course, you better call Andrew. But remember,
0: when he popped up at the college football, uh, was it the championship uh, last fall? He looked very thin. He was like Oh, well, he's not playing. I I know he's not playing.
3: He's 32 with a lot of S going on. (laughs) Grad school. Graduate school. No chance I would ever go back to school. (laughs) I did. It was the greatest thing I ever did. No chance.
0: I just mean now.
3: Thornton Mellon great movie great movie all right 844 204 rich number to dial here on the rich Eisen and show we'll set up the rest of the week when we come back don't go anywhere let's talk game time boy do we love using game time tickets 204 Rich is always the number to dial here on the program. The Callaway Chrome Soft golf uh, ball family is there for family. Family is there you. for you. You're holding one up, right, Christian? I, I like it. Right Very you're holding hold you hold it up? There I gotta it go is. hit
0: some balls this week, man.
3: When was the last time you did it? Ooh, it's been about a week. Chrome Soft. There's that baby right there. Chrome Soft golf balls. I use them. You should as well. I use the one with the triple track technology. Ooh, I, I just love one. the the, the lines on it. I don't know what it is. It's just it's You know, you line it up and it. You, you just putt better.
0: Feels like it go in goes in more when you
3: do that. It does. Yeah. Well, is that the way you felt on our on our Callaway putting? That's contest?
0: I That did feel that. On.
3: You Hello? got There's the trophy right hey! in front of you. It's a trophy right kiss in front like, of you, right kiss there. Yes, it's like Rory did. There you go. Chrome Soft, <laughs> Chrome lucky. Soft Deck, Chrome Soft XLS. There's a version of the Chrome Soft golf ball that is for you, which is why it's not only made the best players better, it's made everyone better. That's what makes it so simple. Chrome Soft is better for the best and better for everyone. Find out which Chrome Soft is right for you at slash Chrome Soft. Um, took. Susie to the Killers concert at Bank of California Stadium, home of LAFC and Angel City FC. And, um, great stadium. It is great. It's right next door to the Coliseum, the LA Coliseum. And it's a nice venue. And uh, took Susie to the concert, the Killers concert. And, um, man, uh, I... I I'll be honest. I committed many moving violations just to get into the parking lot on time for this thing. Uh, <laughs> might have rolled a window down or two, called somebody over, hoping that they might need some fantasy football advice from me just to let me get in. So hey, Whatever I could do. <laughs> did you tell them you knew me? I wish I did. You see. You know, I would have gotten in much faster than or, I did. Or they would have taken your ticket away. Yeah. But we got that. The Killers is Susie's favorite band. I've never seen them live. She hadn't either. And it was incredible. It was incredible. What an incredible band from the great city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Brandon Flowers, the lead singer, just had had the entire stadium in the palm of his hand. And um, he's very well aware of what's going on in the audience. I've never seen this. About three songs in, he kicked somebody out for their behavior. He's like, yeah, get him out. He stopped the song. Wow. (laughs) Stopped the song, pointed somebody out, get him out. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, I know. Susie and I look at each other like, wow. That's like Brockman mining a YouTube chat. You know, just <laughs> people. Wow. You know? Watch, wow. your, watch your mouth. Have you know, you've never seen that, right, before? No, that's awesome. Uh. Oh, yeah, I've seen, I mean, I haven't been to concerts, but I've definitely seen lead singers see some stuff going on and be like, yo, exactly. you've got to dip. So um, he noticed also about halfway through the concert a sign, somebody held up and they showed a shot of it, because, you know, in, with these top-notch tours, everything, everything's on camera. They, they have a whole right. You know, uh, production that you can see on the screen, bunch of screens behind him. A guy held up a sign that said "Fighting Cancer," ready to play drums on "Reasons," which is the short term way of saying uh, the referring to the the hit song for reasons unknown that the killers put out. And so Brandon Flowers took the guy up out of the stands and put him on a drum set. At which point, I just grabbed my phone and put the sound up, please. He owned it. Wearing a fight cancer shirt. Wow. Place went nuts. Wow. And he put his hand over his mouth and um, couldn't believe... he had this opportunity, you know. And I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I was also, it, it also struck me anybody who works for NFL Network, guy looks like Chris Wessling a little bit, doesn't he? Nice. Who passed away due to cancer and also had sort of that joie de vivre about living his best life, yep. which is what this guy did. I don't know what his situation is other than he's fighting cancer and he got up and um, took a selfie getting goosebumps just even Ooh, watching this again
0: God, that's so cool
3: and the place went wild wild damn that's so i've cool. never susie and i looked at each other and we were like oh my goodness you know wow. and um we need more of that in the world you know kudos to ronnie Vanucci jr who's the the drummer of the killers he got right up and he grabbed a guitar and he played for them, and that, that's who he was taking the selfie with. It was great. That's really. Cool. I mean, and those are the moments that you live for. Yep. One of the greatest moments I've ever seen at any concert I've ever been to. To say, yeah, come on up. And that's a risk. And by the way, I—I, you know, Susie and I had the set list in front of us. You know, there's these, these websites um, that show you what the set list has been on the tour. That wasn't on their set list. Oh, wow. They hadn't played it in we we looked up you know the last ten set list it wasn't on there and by the way the um the uh, encore Lindsay Buckingham came out and played oh. um um don't that's not not don't stop believing um Played some Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow? No, it's not what it was. I <laughs> just flew do, it out of my uh, head. Mr. Brightside? They did. That was the last I one. I love that song.
0: I think this they dude's name is Joel Stetler. He responded to your tweet he did? last night. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. He wrote, thanks for sharing this, Rich. Still on another planet.
3: That's awesome.
0: Shout out. Keep fighting. Way to go,
3: brother. Joel. That was one of the greatest moments I've ever seen. Way to do it, man. We'll be back on the radio Tuesday. That, I I did not know that he had responded. Yeah, we gotta I gotta get that guy on the phone. Maybe we'll have him on the show tomorrow if he's up for doing that. I I, I mean for, to have that sense of it, and he just I mean to say he crushed it. I mean, looks like he's a third grade teacher out here in California. Is he really? Yeah, that's what his bias says. I mean. Cause it's it was kind of a, a risk in a way. Go your own way. That's the song. I mean, my God. But um, <clears throat> the Fleetwood Mac song. It's kind of a risk. Like, what if the guy got came up and he's just like, you know, not not all that proficient on drums. <laughs> but the minute he got there, you could see. Like, I didn't. I didn't get my phone on fast enough. He got behind the drum set and he put his hand over his mouth to start. Like. Like, he can't believe that his sign actually got him up there. And I just thought to myself, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And then I thought to myself, you also do not hit 100% of the shots you attempt. If you don't prepare... And you don't live in the moment. That's what I thought to myself. Got to live in the moment. So many times I am on my phone. I am trying to pay attention to too much stuff. I am, you know, focused on the traffic and stupid stuff. But to live in the moment, like he he crushed it. He crushed it. And I just, it really just hit me. And I just, it hit Susie too. And it really was a beautiful moment. And I know that there are other bands who have taken folks out of the crowd and they've done it before, but I've never seen anything like that before. And I thought it was incredible that Brandon Flowers did that and that the rest of the band, it wasn't on their set list. I'm sure they could play that song in their sleep. But oh, I'm so glad that he responded. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. Looks
3: I can't like, wait to tell like Susie. He's uh, a teacher in Fresno. In Fresno. All right. So he, he came all the way down. Unbelievable! Well, well, to play us out. Good Monday, good Monday. Yeah, start. it is good Monday, good and Monday uh, it was truly remarkable. Uh, tomorrow's show, it is uh, Bruce Arians will hey. be on the program. Hey. Desmond Howard, did you see his uh, his prediction for the college football playoff? No, no. what happened? Um, it was t- take a look. It was Michigan, Texas A and M, Baylor. And I forget who the fourth team was, but it definitely was not, it's not Alabama, it's not Clemson, it's not anybody else. Yes, Texas a and winning, winning it all. Whoa. So Dez is coming on, and I can't wait to ask him if he's on the stuff that uh, Aaron Rodgers is on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's perhaps.
3: Perhaps. And then you. We will see you on Tuesday's show right here on YouTube.com slash Show. See you then.